Good morning. It's good to see you all. Very warm welcome to our service this morning. And a very warm welcome if you're online as well. Great to have you with us this morning. And uh, this morning, our pastor John is uh, speaking on the title, You of Little Faith. You have a little faith. And we're going to be delving into the Gospel of Matthew uh, to think a bit more about this. So looking forward to hearing more of what John's got to say to us later. Just a couple of uh, quick notices as well. Uh, for church members, there's quarterly church members meeting on Tuesday. So 7.30, quarterly church meeting on Tuesday. And also at the prayer meeting this week, we'll be splitting into groups as well to pray. So uh, do come along to that if you can. Thursday prayer meetings and we'll be splitting into groups. Well, let's pray and ask God to help us to worship him this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another morning. Lord, for bringing us safely here, for bringing us to worship you. Lord, I pray that we'd be ready to worship you. Lord, we may have had a hectic, busy morning. Lord, we may have had a morning where we've done nothing at all. But Lord, whatever's been going on, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be calm now, to be still and to be ready to worship you and to hear what you've got to say to each uh, to us. Lord, I pray that we'd be ready to be challenged by what you've got to say to us. Ears ready to hear. Lord, help us to listen. Lord, I pray for all those who are here. Lord, I thank you that we've got a a good church for again this morning. And I praise you for that. Thank you that we can enjoy being together. Lord, I pray for those on the live stream. Lord, I pray that you really bless them. As they're not here with us in the room. Yeah, Lord, you are everywhere. Lord, do bless them in their souls. And Lord, finally, I pray for those who aren't here because they don't care or don't want to be. Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts, Lord, that they would long to come along to meet with you in this special way and to hear what you've got to say to us. So Lord, do be with us this morning. Help us to worship you. May we go away from this place knowing that we've met with you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing. Uh, It's a song that's uh, a worship song that we often sing, uh, but it's one that particularly fits in with the theme this morning, especially the first line as we think about oceans and seas. Who has held the oceans in his hands? So when the music starts, let's stand and we'll sing and praise God together.
going to read now a couple of passages, a couple of the key passages from Matthew that John's going to be speaking to us about a bit later. And the first one is in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, and it will be on the wall for those of you who would like to see it there. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, firstly. And when Jesus got into the boat... His disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. And then the second reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. So Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart! It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we're looking forward to hearing a bit more about uh, those passages later. Well, we're going to sing now a couple of songs uh, in a row that really link in to uh, those readings that we've had. So first we're going to sing Be Gone Unbelief, and then straight after that we're going to sing Be Still My Soul. And then following the second one, uh, James Russell has got a children's talk. So children, if you'd like to come up and be ready for that after that.
you all right? You all good? <clears throat> well, it's nice to see you all. We're going to have a little chat this morning about something that I think is really important. Okay? Ready? Can we have the first slide? <gasps> What's that? Who, a football. Well done. Who here likes football? I like football a lot. Okay? I really like my football. What's your favourite team? Do you have a favourite team? Do you have a favourite team? Man United. Good boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you have that one. All right. I love football. Okay. I think football's great. I'm I'm happy when I watch football. Sometimes and sometimes not so happy. But I do genuinely love football. Okay. And that's okay. Okay. We have the next slide. Oh, what's this? Yes, it's a games controller. Who likes video games and computer games? I quite like video games and computer games. What's your favourite game? You ever got one? No, not really? What's yours? Minecraft. Everybody likes Minecraft. You know, you build things and that's okay. Hands down you, I've asked you one. Every, every, you know, it's okay to like video games, okay? It's fun, it can be relaxing. It can be a little bit stressful at times. But it's nice and it's good. Okay, can I have the next slide? <gasps> books and toys. Who loves books and toys? I love reading. I absolutely love reading. Do you like reading? What's your favourite book? Yeah, that's one of mine too. I, I love that book. It's very good, isn't it? Very exciting. It's good to read and it's good to play. There's nothing wrong with that. We all like books and toys, okay? Even me. Don't tell anyone, but Vicky over there, she likes toys. She's got some Lego for Christmas. She built it. Spent hours on it. And can I have the next one? Oh, money. Hope the adults are listening to this one. Who likes money? We all like money, don't we? Money's good. We can buy things. We can treat ourselves to things. It's You know, we can buy food. We can buy clothes. We can buy toys and books video games and things like that. But money is good. We need money to live. We can even buy chocolate and sweets. Who likes chocolate and sweets? Yeah, everyone likes chocolate and sweets. So money is very important. We need money, okay? But the thing I want to get to you guys this morning is football is okay. It's good. It's, it's fine to like football. Video games, it's fine. Books and toys, all okay. Money, we need money. It's okay to like it. But... The big point is, we must never, ever make these things into idols. We must never look at these things and go, hang on a minute, that's more important than anything to me. Because it isn't, okay? Football's important to me, but it's not the be-all and end-all, okay? Money's important, we need it, but it isn't everything. And we mustn't put these things above everybody else, okay? Because there is one thing we have to put above everything. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Go on then. God. God should be put first. Okay? We shouldn't sit there and think, oh, you know, I'd like to read my Bible. Oh, want to create a quick game of Minecraft in. (whistles) Bible's pushed to one side. (whistles) Build myself a new house. Okay? We shouldn't think, oh, Oh, you know, I need to, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, I need to do that. God can be pushed aside. That's not what we should do. 
God should come before everything. We are not to let things get in the way of our love and our... You awake? We're not to let things get in the way of our love and praise for God, okay? Because that is super important. If we have the next slide, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it said, And he said to him, "You You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Because we are not to put anything above God. I I will admit to you, it wasn't that many years ago that I put football above everything. Absolutely everything. It didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter who, what was going on in my life. Football had to come first. And then when I become a Christian, and then when I was baptised, slowly football started taking a back seat. And more importantly... God, come first. And now, I will always put God before football. It could be the biggest game of the year. But if it came, it would never come before my time with God. I would never put football first ever again. Because it was a waste of time. But by putting God first, putting my love and my faith and my trust in God, my life has become so much better. So much better. Much better than when I had football first. Much better than when I had video games first or my books first. Putting God first has made my life a bazillion, I don't even know if that's a real number, a bazillion times better. So the point I want you guys to take away today, okay, is it's okay to like football, games, books, toys, money, whatever your interests are, it's okay. But don't put them before God. Don't make them out to be something bigger than they are. Okay? Because we must always, always put God first. You won't forget that now, will you? Good. And thank you for liking Man United. Thank you for listening and you can all go back. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Well, it's a children's talk, but we definitely need to hear that as adults, don't we? And uh, we've got the privilege now of praying, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I really pray, Lord, that you would help those children to love you more than anything else. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to love you more than anything else. Lord, because it's not just the children that need to hear that. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. Lord, as someone once said, our our hearts are idol factories. Lord, we just keep making things to to worship that's not you. We keep putting other things in front of you. And Lord, we see this throughout history where people time and time again uh, forget you, put other things first. Lord, I pray you forgive us. Lord, we're called to love you with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us when we fail to do that. Lord, we cannot do that by ourselves. So Lord, we pray that you give us the strength and the help to do that. Lord, we need your help. Help us to love you more than anything else. Forgive us when other things that are so nice and often good take your place. Help us to love you more than anything by your grace, I pray. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are coming again. Lord, we, we've been thinking about Christmas not too long ago, although it feels quite a while ago now.
But Lord, we thank you that it's not just history where Jesus came to earth. But Lord, it's future as well, Lord, as we think about Jesus returning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we live every day, Lord, that we would have Jesus returning as king and as judge at the forefront of our minds. Lord, we're told in James that the judge is standing at the door. And uh, Lord, that is great news. Lord, for those of us who love you and have been saved by you and who live in this world and we find it tough for different reasons, maybe because of injustice, persecution, sufferings. Lord, Jesus standing at the door is good news. He's coming back to make this world new, to, to right the wrongs, to deal with sin and the curse of it and its consequences. Lord, it is good news and we thank you for that. Lord, we need a good and righteous judge to come and put things right. So we thank you for that. Lord, help us to look forward to that day. Like the people that uh, James was writing to needed to, to look forward to it. Lord, help us to look forward to it. But Lord, I pray as well, Lord, that it would be a warning to those of us who don't know you who have not been saved, who are still living in rebellion to you, that the judge is standing at the door, ready to return. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here may know the wonder of being saved and being brought into your family, so that Jesus standing at the door may not be something uh, to be fearful of, but something to be eagerly anticipated. Lord, if we're holding on to our guilt and our sins, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us. And that we would come to you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when we read the Gospels, we've read a bit of the Gospels already this morning. But when we read the Gospels, Lord, we see your power. Lord, we see your power over creation. We see your power over sickness and illness and death. And Lord, it's just a bit of a a peek into your kingdom. Lord, it's like the curtains being drawn back of what the kingdom of God is like. Where there will be no more sickness, there will be no more pain, there will be no more death. Lord, I pray that we'd be ready for it and we'd be excited about that. Lord, I pray that it would impact our everyday lives, thinking about those things. And Lord, I pray that you would grow our faith. Grow our faith in these things. We're thinking about that a bit this morning. Lord, I pray that it would be a really helpful message for us this morning. That it would encourage us where we are to be encouraged and challenge us where we need to be challenged. Lord, I thank you as well so much for John, John our pastor. Lord, I thank you so much that this year, Lord, he was able to reflect back on 25 years of uh, full-time service to this church. Lord, I thank you for those 25 years that you've given to him, but especially, Lord, that you've given uh, him to us as a church. Lord, for his faithful, uh, loving, humble service towards us. Where he's taught us uh, so much and shown us how to follow Jesus over so many years. Lord, we thank you for the, the public responsibilities that he does. The things that we see week in, week out. The preaching, the leading services, all those things. But Lord, we also thank you for the way he's carried many private burdens and responsibilities, things that we so often don't see, things that we may be completely unaware of. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, that he has shepherded us for so long and 
um, loyally prayed for us and been concerned for us and sought to show us Jesus each and every week. Lord, I thank you for how he regularly sacrifices his time and energy for us as a church. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless him. Bless him in his soul, bless him in his body. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen him and encourage him. Lord, for his sake, but also for our sake as a church. Lord, do richly bless him, I pray. And Lord, help us as a church to support him, to encourage him, not just once or twice, but week by week, seeking to pray for him, to support him, to love him as he serves us. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you for 25 years of faithful, loving service. Lord, we pray for the Connect work going on down in Alderbrook tomorrow. Lord, as they go down there and seek to uh, do the activities and games and show Jesus to the kids. Lord, I really pray, Lord, that you would bless the leaders as they do that. And that they would be able to really show Jesus to those kids. Partly by what they say and in the words they speak and in the talk. But also just how they act, how they are. Lord, that those kids would see true love. And that they would be able to experience Jesus being with them through the leaders. Lord, we pray that that kids may come to know Jesus through that. Lord, that's our biggest prayer for that work. And Lord, we thank you as well just for those around the world who are sharing the good news. Lord, we're coming this morning to look at your word to worship you. But this is going on all around the world and we praise you for that. Millions and millions of Christians who we have no idea who they are. And yet, Lord, they're in the family and we're coming to worship together. And we praise you for that. Lord, it's exciting to think we're part of such a a bigger family, part of your work across the globe. And Lord, I do just pray, especially for those that we do know. Lord, there's, there's many that we do know that we can't name, but Lord, some of them that we do know. Lord, George and Zarika in Romania. Dr. Rosie Crowther in Papua New Guinea. We think of the Swansons in Cyprus and the Saywells in the Philippines. People in all different parts of the globe. Some of them many hours ahead of us. Some many hours behind us. But Lord, worshipping you. And Lord, I just pray that that would lift up our hearts as we realise what you're doing, not just here this morning, but worldwide. And Lord, do be with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be with John as he speaks to us. Thank you for the prep that he's put in, the prayerful prep. Lord, I pray that you'd help him speak clearly. And Lord, help us to listen. Help us to see that this is worth listening to, that we need to listen to it, that this is important for us. So Lord, bless us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John does come and speak to us, we're going to sing another song. And uh, in every verse, there's four verses, in every verse it tells us something that we can really hold on to. So uh, notice those things. I think that will do us good as we go through this song. It's what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer.
a few questions for you to think about. Uh, Three, in fact. Are you a person of faith? It's very general. That's a bit vague. Move on to the second one. Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you believe in him, who he is, and what he has done? Do you have a personal confidence in him? Well, maybe not yet, and uh, that's the point you need to get to. And so I would encourage you um, to read the Gospels, to read the Gospel of John, say, where there's a lot about what it is to believe in Jesus Third question, how big is your faith? How how big is your faith? Today the talk is about uh, little faith. It's a phrase which uh, comes up in the account of the life of Jesus we have in Matthew. It comes up five times, this phrase, little face and it struck me as I was reading it through recently and I could see it being quite helpful I hoped anyway to a few people here to look through it a bit more this morning so that's what we're going to do and the phrase means a weak faith, small faith, scant faith and we take it that those we'll be looking at are followers of Jesus We're not just talking here about those with sort of airy-fairy beliefs in nothing much particular, who've got a a pick-and-mix idea of God, which they've composed themselves. Now, these are people that have trusted in Jesus for forgiveness, for everlasting life. They trust in him, not themselves. They are believers, but their faith is weak. It's tentative. It's wavering. It's not deep. It's not solid. It's real, but not as prominent as it should be. It pulsates a bit. Little faith. And I expect a lot of us will say, I can relate to this. That's me. There are people of great faith. In the Gospel of Matthew, even, Uh, There's the the Roman commander who's commended for his faith. There's the foreign lady who has a poorly daughter. But there are also people of little faith. Little faith. And we're going to quickly look at the five situations, the five times where that comes up. And then we're going to draw some points or some lessons from uh, what we look at, which will hopefully help us as we're thinking it through for ourselves. So here are the times of little faith in the Gospel of Matthew. One of the greatest messages ever given is called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus teaches his disciples about many things. And one of the things he tells them about is anxiety. He teaches about anxiety. It's quite a, quite a, a relevant topic to, to most of us. And after pointing out God's care for the birds and for the flowers, he says this in verse 30. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Later, there was a great storm. Uh, the storm was on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, the wind and the swell were, were frightening. Um, even experienced fishermen um, started to panic who were in the boat. And they call out to Jesus, and they stir Jesus, and beg of him. And this is what he says in Matthew 8, verse 26. Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. And then this is what he does. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Uh, Sometime after, uh, the disciples are in uh, a boat yet again. Uh, They're finding that progress is very slow across the lake because the the wind and the waves are going in the opposite direction to them. So it's a very slow pace. In fact, it's got to past three o'clock in the morning. They've been going through the night. Um, In this incident, Jesus appears to them walking on the water. Jesus uses his uh, power as the Son of God to do something that we cannot do. And he says to them these lovely words, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. One of the disciples is called Peter. He's often bold and he's often impetuous. And he says, If it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus invites him to come and to join in this miracle. And he steps out of the boat and starts to walk towards Jesus. And then he catches sight of the wind and it frightens him. And he calls out for Jesus to rescue him. Jesus reaches out and takes hold of him. And this is what he says to Peter, 14 verse 31. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? There was a time when the disciples were in confusion over bread. Uh, Jesus warns them to beware of the leaven of the religious teachers. Their sort of bad influence, their bad example, their bad ideas. And... uh, The word association in the minds of the disciples goes like this, leaven, bread. We have no bread. And they're thrown into a panic. Who's got the bread? Have you got the bread? Where's the bread? What are we going to eat? There's no bread. They think Jesus is talking about bread. They forget that he's just fed 5,000 people on the hillside. They forget that he's just fed 4,000 people with loads left over. And Jesus has these words for them in Matthew 16 and verse 8. O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact we have no bread? Life is full of highs and lows, isn't it? 
and uh, some of the disciples have been on a literal high up a mountain where they've seen unveiled the wonderful glory of Jesus as the Son of God. They come down to earth with a bump and they demonstrate their own limitations. A man comes and begs to the, begs them on behalf of his poorly son who has a demon which needs to be cast out. The disciples do their best, but they have no success. Um, Jesus is on the scene and is asked about it by the desperate father. And Jesus goes ahead to heal the boy. Afterwards, on the quiet, the disciples speak to Jesus and they ask, well, why couldn't we heal the boy? After all, we've been given special powers to do these things in the times of the Gospels. And Jesus says this to them in chapter 17 and verse 20. Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith, Like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. These are the five times of little faith in that account about Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. As we think it through, what what sort of draw, what do we draw from this? How, How might it Help us, what might be the lessons about little faith that we get from these different passages, these different times? Well, I've got a number. We'll go quickly through them. The first is this, that little faith is common. Little faith is common. I don't know whether it helps or not. I suspect it does help you, the fact that I've said that. The little faith is common. It's not just a case of, uh, hey, look over there, there's somebody with little faith. Look, everybody, they've got no faith, they've got such tentative faith. No, it's widespread. Lots of people have little faith, or have little faith lots of the time. Sadly, in our hearts, we are prone to it. We're prone to be slow to believe, we're prone to be sluggish to believe. We have little faith when we face difficulties, when following Jesus is hard, when Satan dangles temptations and doubts before our eyes. We often find that we too are people of little faith. All the disciples were guilty of little faith despite having Jesus in their midst. So, little faith isn't what it should be, but it is very common. That's clear in the Gospels, isn't it? Little faith is valued. Little faith is valued. We mustn't be content with little faith in Jesus, but it is good to note that it is is valued in his sight. It is God-given. Faith is a gift of God. The Sermon on the Mount episode shows that uh, though the disciples had little faith, they were still children who were deeply cared for by their Heavenly Father. 
They were still valuable in his sight. God puts a high value on faith, even if it's the size of a mustard seed, even if it's the size of of a speck of chilli powder. It is valuable in his sight. Little faith is valued. If you have true faith in Christ, albeit pulsating at times and a bit tentative and weak, that is a valuable thing. I came across this quote from a a message by a a Baptist preacher of the 1800s called uh, Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to read it through. He's rich when he speaks, uh, so I think it will help you. When Jesus Christ counts up his jewels at the last day, he will take to himself the little pearls as well as the great ones. If a diamond be ever so small, yet it is precious because it is a diamond. So will faith, be it ever so little, if it be true faith. Christ will never lose even the smallest jewel of his crown. Little faith is always sure of heaven because the name of little faith is in the book of eternal life. Little faith was chosen before the foundation of the world. Little faith was bought with the blood of Christ and cost as much as great faith. Christ has bought all, both little and great, with the same most precious blood. Little faith is always sure of heaven, for God has begun the good work in him and he will carry it on. God loves him and he will love him unto the end. Quite a big quote, but encouraging, isn't it? Little faith is valued. Good to be encouraged by. Little faith is disappointing. I think couldn't work out quite what the best word was for this. Little faith is disappointing. Little faith is remiss. Uh, little faith is out of place. Little faith is reprehensible. Little faith is not good. It's not as it should be. It's not as it ought to be. It, All five of these instances that we looked at involve correction. The disciples, well, should they have known better? Of course, yes, they should have known better. They'd seen Jesus. They'd heard Jesus. They'd experienced Jesus. They'd seen what he's done. They'd had the previous rebukes. By the time we get to number five, they've heard this sort of correction to themselves four times in the past. Four times, he says of them, O you of little faith. Is that how Jesus speaks to us? O you of little faith. Come on! Get get moving, you should be past this. All this wild panic, all this doubt, all this anxiety, all this uncertainty, all this tentativeness. Oh, you of little faith. Little faith is disappointing. It's not what it should be. It's not right. We shouldn't rest content with little faith. And little faith is limiting. 
It's limiting. It causes harm and it, it dishonours God. It lets fear rule the day, doesn't it, when we have little faith. Uh, maybe you've heard of the epic parable of Pilgrim's Progress. Well, in it, he has a character called Little Faith. And this chap, Little Faith, is travelling alone. And that's not a good idea. And he goes down a road called Dead Man's Lane. This doesn't sound a brilliant place to go. And it's connected to the Broadway, which is a particularly dangerous place to be near. He falls asleep, which is another bad move. And when he stirs, he's set upon by three louts. They're called faint heart, mistrust and guilt. And he doesn't deal firmly with them, this little faith. So they rob him of his riches. And poor little faith is left to stagger on his way to the heavenly city. Little faith is plagued, you see, by faint heart and mistrust and guilt. And that's quite perceptive. Little faith hampers our enjoyment. But it also hampers our service. We're not gifted uh, with miraculous powers like the disciples. So I don't think we should necessarily be expecting to go around casting out demons and doing miraculous healing. But we are called to serve. We are called to take on the message of the gospel. We are called to live for the Lord. And little faith hampers that. Even if it was a little bit bigger, we'd do so much more. Mountains could be moved, using the picture language Jesus gives, if we had stronger faith. But we have little faith. And it limits our enjoyment of God. And it limits our usefulness. And we don't really want to stay there, do we? We don't want to go through life as Mr. Little Face, or Mrs. Little Face, or Master Little Face, or Miss Little Face. It's limiting. It's not the place to stay. Little faith should focus on Jesus. How does little faith grow? How does it become more stable? How does it become more firm? How does it become less uh, tentative? How does it become less pulsating? When it focuses on Jesus. When it focuses on Jesus. Why were they panicking in the boat? Because they forgot the Lord of the waves was with them. That's why. Why were they panicking about the bread? Because they had um, forgotten the power and provision of the Son of God. That's why. You remember Peter, um, a man of courage and faith, walking on the water and all was okay when he looked at Jesus. 
But when the circumstances filled his horizon and his attention, then he wobbled and he panicked. And it's for us, isn't it? When what fills our mind is the the coming consultant's appointment or the coming medical scan or when our mind is just filled with the troublesome son or the moody friend or the mountain work targets. It's when our mind is full of that difficult meeting which we've got ahead, then we wobble and we we panic. But when we consider the power of Jesus and the glory of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the words of Jesus, then we are steadied. When we think of his promises, when we think of his cross, when we think of his resurrection, when we think of his reigning in glory, when these things are in our mind, our faith is strengthened and our faith is firm and we are more settled and we are more useful. The chorus goes, doesn't it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The best antidote antidote to little faith is to focus on Jesus, to know more about Jesus, to read about Jesus, to know Jesus more deeply Little faith should focus on Jesus. Then my final point is this. Little faith is still ultimately safe. Little faith is still ultimately safe. God will make all true faith to survive and to last. Little faith is enough. That came out very much in the long quote I gave you from that Baptist preacher but it's consistent with the Bible's teaching. What of little faith in the Sermon on the Mount is under the Father's care. What of little faith in the storm and on the waves? Jesus subdues them, preserves his disciples. What of Peter when he's... uh, sinking in the water and filled with desperation. He's grabbed by Jesus and it's okay, it's okay. The the root, if I can put it like this, the root through life of little faith fills the bumps. It's worried about the root, but it, it will be safe. Perhaps I can just put it like this. Imagine two travellers in a car. Um, It's the same driver. It's a good driver. Uh, One of the passengers is on is on tenterhooks. Okay, they're watching the road avidly. Um, They're they're wincing at every hazard. They're they're sort of grabbing the coat rail round every corner. They're applying their own. Uh, brakes in the back seat. They're keeping an eye on the the speed or, uh, as he goes. And this this traveller, this driver, has travelled hundreds of miles. Um, 
with this person. Uh, the, the driver is perhaps a relative who cares for the person. The problem is in the, the heart and the outlook and the mood of the passenger. The other traveller, the other passenger, is laid back. He's looking out the window. He's savouring the scenes. He's dozing occasionally. He's in good spirits and there's a bit of banter in the car. He's at ease, he has confidence in the driver. Well, that's the picture, really, of the journey of life for little faith and firm faith. But notice this, they both get to the destination. Just that one has a more pleasant journey than the other. Little faith. The disciples came to Jesus once and said this, Lord, increase our faith. That's a good prayer. Another came to Jesus and said this, very honestly, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's a good prayer too. So I hope this morning, weaving our way through some of these accounts in the Gospel of Matthew, has proved not just a Bible study, but helped to you in your situation and encouraging faith in Jesus. We're going to sing our last song, if we may, which follows on well from the number of points really, but especially the last one and Peter's situation. It's uh, the song, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast.
too often we are people like the disciples of little faith. Other things just totally fill our horizon uh, more than they legitimately should. And we, we need to be more aware of Jesus and his words and his character and his promises. And we pray that thinking about these things this morning will prove an encouragement and a boost to your honour and glory. Amen.